Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. But today's message is a shifting point in our thinking for some. For some, you might this might be just like a non-issue for you, um, but for me, this is a game changer. So we're talking today about kingdom experience. Kingdom experience. What do I experience the kingdom to be? What does the kingdom look like in my life? How do people who encounter me experience the kingdom? Right? In other words, rather than just a philosophy or a belief system, this is a life changer. What should be happening in my life? How do people encounter the kingdom of God when they encounter me? And I was uh, thinking about earlier on this year, beginning of January, does anybody follow the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcasts? My entire staff, get your hands up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do, actually. Every, every brilliant thing that I ever say at staff meeting comes from Craig Groeschel, actually. Um, and I do give him credit most of the time. But uh, he started off this year, uh, this series on... Um, life changes, and instead of like New Year's resolutions or whatever, actual life changes. And it was so annoying because it took three months to get through the teaching. He does like one podcast, the the beginning of every month, and I'm like, it's January, I need to change by January 5th. I can't wait till like March to get through the teaching. This is so annoying that I have to actually have to commit to coming back the next month for the next pieces. But his, his whole reasoning for it was that 98% or something like that of New Year's resolutions just don't work. That people drop them within like a couple of weeks, which we all know, right? I know it's more than just me. But he started off with the first week uh, and the first month, what you were supposed to meditate on were maximum three things, Instead of like, I need to change these 27 things in my life. What are three things, three areas that I want to see growth or improvement? And instead of putting it as a to-do list, you put it as an I am statement. So instead of like, I'm going to exercise every day, I'm going to, you know, get up at such and such a time every day, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You would say, I am a disciplined person. Or I'm a healthy person. Or I, you know, whatever it is, I'm financially stable. Instead of like, I, oh, I'm going to try budgeting better. I'm going to try doing this. I'm going to try that. You would put what is the end result of who you want to be, not what you want to do. Does that make sense? So the odd thing was like working that through, um, this was for me, I'm a really, like I love to-do lists. I love saying I've got this checklist and at the end of every day I can check off whether I did or didn't and by day three when I haven't, I'm annoyed and I throw it out and start over again. But that, you know, that's my thing. So to pause and say, what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Changes my approach to what I'm engaging. And so, um, You know, he said, and I think I maybe shared this with the church before, but he said things like, instead of saying, I'm trying to stop smoking, you will say, I'm a non-smoker. I'm a non-smoker. So every time if somebody, you know, you're with a group of people that do smoke or whatever, and and instead of saying, no, no, I'm not, I'm I'm trying to quit. You say, I'm non-smoker. How long have you been non-smoking? Since this morning. (laughs) You know, whatever. But but you're speaking over yourself the, the reality of who you are. And so, like Sheldon said, actually, in the announcements, it fits perfectly, but this whole thing of what, is a, what does a Christian do? Wayne and I were talking about this the other day. We both had, you know, growing up, we both grew up in Christian homes, 
But we both had a list of, you know, the things that we do and we don't do, the things that we're not allowed to do and whatever. And, and we would say that, you know, where our friends were doing things or going places or this was happening at school or whatever. And we would say like, you know, no, I can't do that or I don't do that. Why? Because we don't, because Christians don't. Now for me, I'm a people person, so that really bothered me to not be doing things. Wayne was like, because I don't. And like, he didn't care what other people thought about that. I was like, I would be stressed out that people think I can't do stuff. And I need to know why I can't do stuff and work this stuff. But the problem is, if you start with the stuff that you should or shouldn't do, you never really get to who you're supposed to be. And if you start with who you are, then the things that you do and don't do just make sense. So for instance, if, you're, if I've, I want to be uh, you know, a professional hockey player or whatever, there are certain things that I do health-wise, exercise-wise, sleep-wise, time-wise that fit. It, I, it, you don't just say, um, you know, yeah, I get up at five every morning to work out. That's a to-do, but I'm a professional hockey player, therefore I. Does that make sense? So we work the problem backwards. Now, if I'm a kingdom person, and this is why last week we talked about how Jesus accepts us just as we are where we are. He's not worried about all the the to-do stuff right at the beginning. We don't earn our way into his presence. We come into his presence, and as a product, some of the things that we do start to change. Does that make sense? So when we get this, when we understand it, it shifts dramatically the experience of our life and how we engage him in prayer, in worship, in how we model him to the world around us. If we have this hit list of do's and don'ts that that are expected of us, that this this is what we do, we walk around in guilt and condemnation all the time and nobody actually finds that super attractive. But when we live out of the freedom because I've come to Jesus and I've been made free, freedom is contagious. It's catchy. People want it, right? So this kingdom thing, this kingdom experience, we want to kind of reverse engineer it a little bit. And instead of saying, what are the things I need to do? Who am I? Who has he made me to be? And because I am that person, how do I live? What do I do? What's the trickle back from that? That is so freeing. And so last week we started talking about this Jesus's expression of what the kingdom culture is. In other words, what does it look like to be a believer in Jesus? What does it look like to be one of God's kids? And, and the culture is the, this is how we do things. This is how we, it looks here. This is what we do here. And he said in Luke 4, he picked up the scroll, he opened it, and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Tell me about yourself. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. What does that mean? It means I'm anointed to do, 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 do. 
Do you see how it's laid out here? When the Spirit of God is upon me, that's my identity. That's my starting point. And therefore, because of that, this is the product of what comes out of me. This is what I'm anointed to do. This is what my experience is of the kingdom. So he was modeling for us, this is what it looks like in heaven. This is, this is what God's realm looks like. He came to express the culture, right? We talked about this last week, and reflect his nature. This is what Jesus came, modeled, this is what we do. We express his culture and we reflect his nature. We live the culture of the kingdom. We, we live as citizens of, of the kingdom. We live as sons and daughters of God and we express his culture. We reflect his nature, correct? So we're just, we're just like building our foundation today. We know then that the mandate of our lives will be the same as Jesus's. It will be to preach good news to heal the brokenhearted, to free captives, to, to uh, preach the recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, to proclaim the time of God's favor. There will be something that comes out of our lives that is life-giving to the people around us. Unless we're trying so hard to be kingdom-ish. Right? If I have... I am leaning into the do's and don'ts so hard. I feel bad all the time. I feel like sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't get it right and I'm struggling in these areas and, and I, I push back my time with God. My prayer time gets a little bit sketchy. My worship time is flat. I don't really engage with him and now I'm trying to like actually help other people but I can't even help myself anymore and it just shifts. If I step into, I'm a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. This is the product of my life then. So I start with the who I am, and then it spreads into what I do. When Jesus came and announced this, he was announcing that there was a change of culture. There was a kingdom that was being confronted with another kingdom. Something was shifting because Jesus was here, because the kingdom was here now, something was shifting. And when, when there's a shift of cultures, it is conceivable that there's a shift of boundaries then. Fair enough? Shift of cultures. I'm moving from one kingdom to another kingdom. There's going to be a shift of boundaries and we learn them. So Jesus was teaching this sort of stuff. This is how it looks in this new reality. So the culture will reflect the values and Jesus lived out those values. He lived out the culture of the kingdom. So now let's just start. We're just, again, laying a foundation here. Let's look at what this looked like. One of the first churches that experienced post-Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the reality of the kingdom in their lives was the church at Colossae. And so if we look at this, Colossians 1, we're going to just pick this up. And Paul's writing to this church and he's saying, wow, when I heard about you, I heard about you guys and I like, we're so excited about you. And then he says specifically verse 9 and 10. He says, since the day we heard about you, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he says, once, once we found out who you are, sons and daughters of God, once we found out who you are, we started praying that you would know what should come out of that then. 
We started praying that you would experience this fullness, that there would be an overflow into your life. We didn't just go, wow, we got 47 conversion cards in the offering basket today. That's so great. (laughs) It's a good starting point. (laughs) But now that we know that you've made this decision, we are praying for you to live this out. We are praying for you to experience the overflow because now there's been a culture shift and you have to learn the boundaries, the way this new world works for you. You need to learn. There's like, this is what we would call discipleship, but that you would learn how this functions. So going down to verse 13 and 14, it says, for he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, I want you to just look at that, that verse there. He has conveyed us. Do you notice the, um, the, the tense there? He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Are we trying to get there? No, no we are there. Yes? yes, he has done it. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. This is a really big deal. Because there's a lot of us who spend decades of our walk with God trying to get into the kingdom. It's done. It's, it's done. It's kind of a big deal. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So he's saying that because Jesus paid the price for our sins, because he purchased us, we are part of a new kingdom, and that new kingdom has new ways of doing things. So let's just break it down a little bit again from verse 9 and 10. It says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So specifically, it is saying they're praying now that you are saved. It's a bit of a, you know, can feel like a bait and switch. What do you mean now that I I gave my life to Jesus, now I have to do stuff? Yes. Yes, you do. Life should change because the kingdom that Jesus presented to us is about freedom. It's about wholeness. It's about the healing of the brokenhearted. It's the liberating of the captives. It's the good stuff. You should want to, if you like that king, you should want what that kingdom offers. You should want to live in that place. And so in order to do that, you want to know his will. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? We pray that you would know his will, that you would walk worthy of the calling, worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? It means walk in a way that's pleasing to God. Now, I remember... You know, youth leaders and stuff, Sheldon, you might want to pick this one up, but I remember youth leaders when we would be hanging out youth night because, like, I will be honest, a lot about youth group is the other sex. That, that if there are boys there and there are girls there, yes, there's also activities happening, but you're kind of also checking out who's in the room. And, uh, you know... Some people do that. I don't, I I heard that some people do that. Um, But you know, the youth leaders come around, they're like, leave room for Jesus, you know? And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, are we talking physically? How big was Jesus? Like, are we talking like a two foot span here? What does this mean? Weird things get said 
about the content of Jesus in our life or the contact of Jesus in our life. What our, our youth leaders really meant was you want to be honorable to one another in a way that leaves room for the presence of Jesus. We don't want to offend the spirit of God by engaging in things that are unpleasing to him or displeasing to him. And so what, what they're saying is that you've come into Christ. Now we want to pray that you would learn to walk worthy, that there would be something come out of your life that like the presence of God is never quenched. Your ability to engage him is never uh, challenged. That you would be fruitful. It says being fruitful in every good work. Isn't that a good prayer? But see, there are verses. We talked about John 15 the other week about the vine and the branches. And it talks about the branches that don't bear fruit get cut off and cast into the fire. And So lots of us, if we don't have an understanding of who we are and the kingdom that we're part of, we'll read verses like that. And we're like, I need to produce fruit so I don't go to hell. Really bad interpretation of that scripture, by the way. That's not at all what that means. But, but the fruit, we pray that you would produce fruit. Don't we all want fruitful lives? Yeah. Honestly, people who know Jesus and people that don't know Jesus, we want fruitful lives. We want to leave a mark. We want to be a blessing. We want to be contributors. We want to produce something. It's going to come through the kingdom. And then the fourth thing that he prayed, increasing in the knowledge of God, essentially that you would know him. We're praying that you would really know him, not that you would just serve him, not that you would have your little card, you know, that you got because you gave, you made a commitment to something, but that you would know him. Isn't that a weird thing to pray if the kingdom is in eternity? See, you have been conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. So where we're going to begin to rock the boat here is challenging where the kingdom is and how we access it. The things that Paul prayed for these new believers, the, the specifically that you would know his will, that you would walk worthy, that you would be fruitful, that you would know him. This is a right now, right here invitation so that we could live out the kingdom on earth. What I'm saying straight up is there is a massive shift that I believe God is, is causing to happen in the body of Christ right now where we are stopping waiting until we die and go to heaven to experience God, but we experience heaven on earth. There is a, there is a step that we have to take and massive part of it is being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So this is where this might feel a little bit like chunky digging into it. I'm telling you, growing up in the church, uh, Wayne and I were talking about this this week, and I said, you know, this, this particular concept here, this bit, this bit almost makes me mad because I feel like I've spent most of my life trying to please God instead of living out of his pleasure. There's a massive difference. There, there's a massive difference between feeling convicted of sin so that I can experience more of him and feeling guilty that I've done something wrong because I don't want to go to hell. Massive difference. And the key to it is right here. So some of us, I believe, are going to get really liberated today. Are you up for this? 
Okay, good. All right, so number one, then we're just going to walk through this. Number one, what is the kingdom? By definition, it is straight up the domain of the king. That's what it means. So a kingdom, we've talked about this before, a kingdom is anywhere the monarch has an authority. It is the extension of him. So anywhere the monarch has authority is part of his kingdom. So it's just naturally about the rulership of God. It's not locational so much as it is relational. And that, that difference makes a, a complete 180 in how we approach God. It is not locational. It is relational. Big, big deal. So the kingdom of God is the place where God has authority, the places, the people, the spheres where he reigns. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not a fleshy thing. It's a spirit thing. It's the encounter of God. I am God's kid. That means that everywhere I go is his kingdom. Fair enough? Some of y'all are like, you have not seen my workplace. Change it. The king is going to work with you. There is something that you carry into that place that you go that is meant to transform. It's meant to bring life. It's meant to bring light. It's meant to bring love. It's meant to bring healing. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you because he has anointed you too. You are carrying something. The kingdom is wherever the king has authority. So the degree that I give him authority in my life is the degree of the kingdom I'll experience. Does that make sense? He has the right to it all. But the degree that I give him authority in my life is the degree of the kingdom I'll experience. So if I want to see things happen around me that look like your kingdom come, your will be done, I need to get myself off the driver's seat. I need to stop being in control of everything. I need to stop managing everything. And I need to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to me. It's a reverse process. It's so different than what most of us have experienced in religion. Psalm 103 talks about the benefits, you know, that like forget not all his benefits. It's the kingdom life. You know, who heals all our disease, who, who forgives all our iniquities. It's, it's the kingdom life. This is the benefits. This is supposed to be my reality. I'm not trying to get to something. I have access to it right here and now. So then, number two, what is the access point? Or what is the entrance? It literally is becoming sons and daughters of God. The access point, the entrance into the kingdom is not death, because the kingdom's not the other side. It's becoming a son or daughter of God. That's it. And how do I come? Just as I am. Wide open. I don't have to, I don't have to earn my way in. In fact, I can't. If I try, it's just filthy rags. It's nothing before the Lord. But when I come heart wide open, I experience him. So the breakdown here, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 16, 30 and 31, this is when uh, Paul had his awesome prison break. You know, the earth shook, they praised, things happened. And uh, the man brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And his phrasing there literally is, what is the basic thing I have to do to be saved? What's the minimum? What's the basic thing I have to do to be saved? And, and the answer is, so believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. This is it. This is not, you know, clean up your life, get rid of this, flush that down the toilet, pour that down the drain, break up with so-and-so, do this, do that. No, the starting point, the entrance point is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Isn't that awesome? That's the starting point. I am choosing Jesus. I am choosing to receive him. I, you know, when Jesus came out, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your mind, change your thinking. So I don't just believe that Jesus exists, but I choose to believe that he died for me, that he rose again. And I choose to believe that I can come into relationship with him. But then, because I am a son or daughter of God, that's when the behavior things start to change. As a product of, I don't clean up myself so that I can come to God. I come to God so that he can clean up my stuff. That is so liberating. That is so freeing. Because the sin realm that we live in, it's designed to trap us. But the kingdom is designed to set us free. Isn't that good? So you become part of the kingdom. You become part of his family and something changes in the forward movement from there. So this is your access point. It is your like ticket into the kingdom. It's the beginning of your kingdom experience on this earth. It's also the beginning of eternal life. So eternal life starts now, meaning that when you die on this earth or when Jesus returns and you go with him, you leave this earthly thing and you, the real you, carries on into eternity. E eternal life for the believer has already begun. We just cross over to another dimension, another location. But the relationship has already started. Fair enough? So that believing, this is my ticket. This is my starting point. This is the beginning place. So then where is the kingdom of God? We're just like breaking this down piece by piece. Where is the kingdom then? And we need to understand, again, there's, there's different philosophies and different understandings of this, but essentially when we read about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is only written about in the book of Matthew, and it's used in the same verses that are cross-referenced to the other um, gospels where it's called the kingdom of God. And so he's not talking about something different. He's talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So Luke 17, 20 to 21, and this is in the New Living Translation, breaks it down a little bit easier for us. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Isn't that good? 
you won't be able to say it's in this location. It's not geographical. It's a relational thing. It's a spirit thing. So the kingdom of God is already among you. Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm standing right here in front of you. I'm it. I'm I'm the representative. I'm the kingdom. This is, this is who it is. So it's here and it's now. It's not something that, that um, we're waiting for when we die. And so we've gone through like generation after generation after generation of people like pining for heaven. Why? Because earth is painful sometimes. Sometimes it sucks here. Some, right? I mean, let's, let's be real. Sometimes we just would love to be on the other side. The difference when we're staying here is that God encounters us and we get to have the earthly experience in his presence. We get to have the earthly experience through a kingdom reality and that changes everything. It makes it totally worth it. I love how um, Steve Holmstrom says it. You guys remember him from the men's conference? He's an awesome guy. Yep. And he says, I define the kingdom of God as the manifest presence, power, and glory of God on the earth and all that goes with it. Let's just leave that out for a minute. I define the kingdom of God as the manifest presence, power, and glory of God on earth and all that goes with it. If that's the kingdom, don't we want to live in it now? Right? We want to experience that now. We want to, don't we want to experience his manifest presence? Don't we want to experience his power? Don't we want to experience his glory on the earth? Don't we want to experience the fullness? Jesus never had lack of anything. Tax time, go fishing. Some of you right now are like, it's on. Ice fishing is happening this afternoon. I mean, Jesus never had a lack. It was these earthly things. Don't even concern yourself. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Jesus was saying, you're going to have to pick a side, but my presence, my, my glory, my power in your life is the access point to everything else that you need. So don't seek the other stuff. Seek me. Seek my presence. Now, if we just get our heads around this for a minute... This changes our approach to God for most of us. If I'm not trying to get to heaven, but I'm trying to experience his presence here on the earth, then I'm suddenly not so worried about fire insurance as I am about what pleases the heart of God. What, what, what makes me attractive to him? What makes him want to spend time with me and what offends him? There's some stuff that I suddenly want to shift because I want him most. I want his wisdom. I want his counsel. I want his guidance. I want his, I want his fellowship. I want his presence. I want to be able to say in the middle of my difficult business deal, like, Lord, what do I do right now? I just need some wisdom. In that relationship thing, your teenager is freaking out or your spouse is freaking out. Like, God, what do I do right now? How do I speak peace? How do I, how do I engage the situation? You open that $600 gas bill. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that you are my provider and you are my source. How shall we pay for this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kingdom first changes everything. Now, if his presence in my life is of value to me, then the things that offend him, I want to walk away from. 
You with me? So that takes us then to number four. What does the kingdom and the kingdom culture look like in me? What does it look like in me? And this is where the crossover happens. And this is where I believe so many of the, that this is what Christians do and this is what Christians don't do. And this is what's right and this is what's not right. And these are the things that are sin and these are the things that are not sin. And these are the things that will get you to heaven and these are the things that won't. This is where it gets all mucked up. Because if we look at the stuff, we miss the who of the relationship, the core thing that drives everything else. And so the ticket into heaven, the ticket into the kingdom, two separate things, same ticket, it is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We, we know that the thief on the cross who was, who was like next to Jesus at the end of his life literally was a thief, literally was a bad guy, recognized who Jesus was. And said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me. He didn't do anything right. He didn't get baptized. He didn't like, he didn't, like have time to return the stuff that he stole. He didn't, he didn't have time to do anything right except believe. He had the ticket. But I believe that there's this secondary thing. And this is what the word is kind of walking us through today. And we want to understand that if the kingdom is now... What is available to me here now? When Jesus said that if you leave father, mother, brother, sisters, uh, because of me, you will receive in this lifetime a return, right? In this lifetime, Jesus was saying that like, really, when you're talking kingdom stuff, the veil between the two is quite thin. There's a, there's a crossover that happens and we experience the kingdom of God now. It's why Jesus said, Pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So why do we package stuff up for what happens when we get to the other side? Why do we have this wait list? On the other side, all of these things will happen. We're just gonna suffer through here until we get to the other side. That's sort of dumb. I probably could have phrased that better. The kingdom is available to us now. So I, I look at it this way. Um, Wayne and I, on our 20th anniversary, we did our first big, like, without our kids trip. We had saved up um, air miles forever. First class flight to Florida. It was awesome. And um, we, we, like, get on the plane. Well, first off, I'm... I used to be until today, late for everything. Um, <laughs> yep. I was three minutes early this morning, people. So until today, I'm saying. Anyway, turns out with first class tickets, you get to board first. I frankly thought, who wants to do that? I, I don't want to be on first. But anyway, once I got on, because I want to dawdle around and look at the really overpriced stores and drink my overpriced coffee and do all of that stuff. I love just, I love airports. Um, so who wants to get on early? And then I found out why you want to get on early. Because you get on early and you sit in seats that are like your living room seats, but better. And instantly somebody comes around with this rolled up hot towel and you're like, well, you're looking at the rich people sitting around you wondering what to do with the thing, frankly. But... Sense, sense figured it out. 
So, you know, you're supposed to like wipe off your travel dust, you know, and you just be refreshed and everything. And then while you wait, you know, would you like a drink while you wait, an orange juice, a coffee? Would you like anything while the other people are boarding? Like now? Because every flight I've been on before, you know, they come along and they're like, do you want do you want a drink? Yes. Okay, well, here's a third of a can of Diet Coke. <laughs> Try and guzzle that down before we land in three minutes. You know, that, so would I like something before we even take off? Are you... Okay. And then, so we have that. Would you like a newspaper? Did you need headphones for the flight or did you bring your own? Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> we kind of just take off and they come with the, the uh, meal menu. The what? You don't mean, do I want cookies or pretzels? You mean like actual meal options? Okay. So we're looking at the meal options and they come on real dishes with salt and pepper and the whole thing. And then they bring you another warm cloth to wash your hands afterwards. Would you like coffee or tea afterwards? And then we're gonna be landing in about half an hour. So we've just got some fresh cookies in the oven. Would you like milk with the cookies or just the cookies? Oh, I want it all. I want that. Everything you are giving me, I am taking it all. Like that, this, this is the most amazing thing ever now i mean that was like kind of, we don't do that all the time so subsequent flights we just call it peasant travel and we sit there in our seats and eat our pre-packed snacks that we brought because there's no way we're paying eight dollars for that thing but that's just us um what if experiencing the kingdom of god is like that what if experiencing the case, some of us have our ticket and we're fine to get rammed into the back and we're going to sit there with people who are way too big for their seats and we're all going to sit there together and we're going to sort of share the in-flight movie and oh, there's only pretzels left. Okay, yeah, we'll have that. Thank you very much. But we're just happy we're going somewhere. Praise Jesus. You know, what if, what if there is actually abundant life that is possible? Are you with me? What if the kingdom of God is not just chasing the survival of this life so I can get to heaven and someday things will be awesome? Because really, when you peel yourself out of those sardine planes, it is awesome on the other side. I, there's no doubt about it. You get out and there's like fresh air and you can stretch and, you know, whatever. You feel like a human again in a few minutes. So there will be something glorious on the other side for sure. But what if the trip is meant to be exciting too? What if Jesus actually intended for us to experience him throughout these years? What if the amount of time that we spend on the earth is a, it's a continual opportunity to know him more and more and more and experience his goodness more and more and more and experience his presence more and more and more? It should be that as we go through life, we're just so desperate to get even closer to him that we can't wait to pop over, not like we're just on skid marks like thank you Jesus I'm out of here I'm out of here like honestly there there is meant to be life and life abundantly truly that's what the word says but what if our inability to grasp it is because we are misapplying what it takes to experience it okay still with me all right so if we look at the difference here that heaven is a location but the kingdom is a relationship. 
So heaven is the eternal reality that we have in front of us, but the kingdom is something that we get to experience now, which we do, right? We've been looking at all the scripture verses for eight weeks now. The kingdom is available to us now. There are some things that are heavenly perfection that we won't experience until the other side, where there is complete lack of sinful reality, where there's the fullness of seeing Jesus face to face, being in the presence of the Father face to face. But in this realm, we get the kingdom experience. So we get to have your kingdom come, your will be done. But in order for this to happen, I need to have a kingdom-centered reality in my life. It means that I'm not just waiting, someday I'm going to be with Jesus, but today I'm with Jesus. Today I'm encountering God. When I'm praying, I'm not praying to somebody on the other side. I'm praying to God who is ever-present. He is all-seeing, all-hearing, all-knowing. He's here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you alone. I will send the Holy Spirit. There is a God presence that is here. And if that is the case, what's it worth to me? What's it worth to me to guard that relationship? What's it worth to me to feel his presence, to know his presence, to walk in his presence? Am I prepared to live the kingdom life now? See, we can say, I got saved, I'm born again, I have my ticket, I want to live my life, I'm doing the best I can, but there's just some stuff that I like to do. But what if some of the stuff that I like to do offends God? Is it worth it? See, I I need to decide what I want to hang on to and what I'm willing to let go of because is living in the kingdom worth everything? Yes, it is. So let's look at Galatians 5, uh, 16 to 25. And this is in the New Living Translation again because it, it gives us this perspective. But it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's helpful. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So this is saying the Old Testament... When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So when, when you're not living kingdom life, you're not living as a son or daughter, but you're living by the old thing, the product that shows up, the fruit out of your life becomes clear. It's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living, now I want you to catch this sentence, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What? But the, (laughs) right? Okay, carry on. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed these passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. <sighs> that is so good. That to me is so helpful. It is not saying, okay, now that you're a Christian, you should not do these things. You should not be into idolatry, sorcery, hostility, lustful pleasures, impurity, hostility, quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of anger. You should not do those things anymore. You can't do those things anymore. It makes God very angry. Like that sin and that kind of sin is going to keep you out of heaven. That's not even what it says, actually. It's saying that when we engage in these things, we are unable to lay hold or inherit the kingdom. The kingdom is his presence, his power, his purposes. I'm not saying it doesn't affect eternity, but I'm saying right here, right now, if I engage in these things, I compromise my ability to walk fully in his freedom. I compromise my ability to experience his presence. It means like, oh yeah, I can totally engage in that outburst of wrath. But the Holy Spirit's like, okay. Go, you've, you chose the flesh life. Good for you. That's your choice. Oh yeah, you want to look at porn? Okay, I'm, I'm not in for that. Can you imagine the Spirit of God lives with us? Can you imagine some of these things, the idolatry, the sorcery, the, the outbursts of wrath, the dissension, the, the uh, sexual improprieties, things like this? Can you imagine if I'm living in the kingdom, I'm a son or daughter of God, the Spirit of God is within me, and all of a sudden I click that on on my computer? This is not a, a heaven or a hell. It's right now. I cannot lay hold of the gift of the inheritance of the kingdom of God, even right now. In other words, I, I lose the sense of his presence in my life. That's so sad. That is so sad to, to, to have the idea that maybe, maybe I'll get into heaven with skid marks. I'm not sure where God's line is on sin and... Versus I get to live Jesus every day. And God, I don't want to do anything that hurts your heart. I don't want to do anything that offends you. I don't want to do anything that makes me lose the sense of your presence. Your voice means more to me than this habit. Your voice means more to me than this expression. Your voice means more to me than this experience. Your voice means more to me. I choose to take those things and I nail them to the cross. And to be really clear about this, to be fair about it, it says uh, specifically um, in King, New King James and King James Version, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. To, the word practice there means those who live that sort of life or who practice habitually. So it's a lifestyle. It's something that I am doing. If I am, I'm continuing in this lifestyle, what it really means, it says that kind of person who's choosing to habitually live in that lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom. In order to receive an inheritance, you have to be a family member, which means you have to have a ticket in the first place. So I'll just throw this one out for your pondering. Is it possible if we are completely unwilling to adjust the sin nature of our lives, we actually haven't made the commitment to Christ at all? 
I love this church. <laughs> Isn't it possible, though, that we're just maybe not ready? It's why sometimes we can, we can pray the salvation prayer, but nothing really changes. Maybe I didn't actually come to Christ. Maybe it was like, a, I kind of want to, but, you know, I'm not ready to repent or change my mind and walk in a different way. And when I do, so there's times when sometimes we slip, we have these things. I mean, the apostle Paul talks about, he's like, oh man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, this nature of flesh. The, the thing is, we do have this body. We do have physical, natural things that want physical, natural things. And we have to crucify that. We have to say, what does that mean? It means I come to Christ about it. I want him more. Doesn't mean that I don't, I don't want these things, but I'm taking these wants and these desires and I am bringing them to the cross and I'm saying, Jesus, I want you more. And it means then that the word tells us that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will always make a way of escape. So I, if I'm like, God, I want you more. I want to live in the kingdom. I want to hear your voice. I want to experience your goodness. I want to walk in your promises. I want to see your power. I want to actually move and operate like a kingdom representative. I want you more than I want any of this other stuff. It means that every time a temptation comes up, I look for you've made a way of escape for me. I thank you, Jesus. You have made a way of escape for me. I want you more. And should I slip? Should I make a mistake? I don't, I don't bite into guilt. I allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to move me. And there's a difference. Guilt means I feel bad. I see no hope for change. And therefore, I will walk away from God. Conviction means I feel bad. He's the only one that can change me. I walk towards him. That is quite different. The conviction of the Holy Spirit still doesn't allow us to just live in sinful lifestyle, but he partners with us in walking into freedom. He partners with us in experiencing the new things. And so some of us have been beaten over the head with like these, these rules and regulations, but honestly, if the heart's not connected to it, it's pointless anyway. That's the truth. When your heart is engaged... When you want Jesus, then the counsel that comes that says, you know what, these things are not pleasing to God. It, it, that is helpful information then. You want to want him most. You want to want him more than you want to stop the things that you need to stop doing. Are you with me? We want to want him most. And it, positive movement. I mean, we've always been way more you know, seen more success when our kids were little, you know, whatever, positive, like if you do this, there's a reward. Works a whole lot better than if you don't do this, there's going to be punishment or whatever, right? We are, we are motivated to the good things where it's built into us. That's what God does. He's like, man, I want to be with you. I'm not going to sit around and watch porn with you. I, you know, Jesus, I want to be with you. I'm not going to sit around and shoot up with you. I, Jesus is like, I want to be with you. I'm not going to sit there while you abuse your spouse. Like these, these are the things. It's about his presence. It's about what is right and what is wrong in his eyes, in the kingdom of heaven. 
We know that if you want to look up different verses, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, I mean, there's multiple passages that have the same thing. Uh, 9 to 20 are almost identical verses to what we just read. But starting in verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Yeah, you used to do that stuff. Yeah, that used to be your lifestyle. That used to be your identity. I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an abuser. I have anger issues. I have lust issues. I have, you know, I'm a swindler. I'm terrible with finances. Whatever label. You know what you are in the kingdom? I am a child of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I have access to the kingdom. I'm an inheritor of the promises of heaven. I used to live that way. I don't have to live that that way anymore. I may still struggle with the occasional temptation, but my Jesus says that he promises me a way of escape. And so every time something happens that I feel like I kind of want to do something, but I know it's not something that God's kid would do, I look for the way of escape. And, And I know he's already made provision for me. And man, the times that I accidentally stumble and they become fewer and further in between, the more I get to know him and the more I walk my new lifestyle, every time I cry out to him, he comes and picks me up and puts me back on my feet again. And he says, okay, come on. This is the kingdom. This is life. This is freedom. This is wholeness. It's all about the motivation. It's the why. And if the kingdom of God can be accessed here and now, then it's about so much more than fire insurance for when I die. As you read through the scriptures on the kingdom of God, you read through the gospels, you read through the early teachings of Paul, you will see over and over and over again that the kingdom can and should be accessed on the earth, that our fleshy, sinful nature needs to be crucified, (laughs) that there's some things that need to shift, and love will always make a way. God will walk with us in it, through it. And and the, the thing that I think is so interesting... You know, and why to me this is maybe, maybe, maybe nobody else sees this as a big shift. To me, it's a big shift. That it's not about, is this something I can get away with and still go to heaven? It's about, how do I experience all of God here? That directive is positive. It's life-giving. It's hope giving. It's a positive pursuit of something that I can access now. I don't have to wait till I'm however old and I I die or whatever happens. Right here and now, I experience in a daily way, when I'm walking in freedom, when I'm walking in life, when I'm walking in the kingdom, I experience his presence more and more and more. What I've seen on the other side of that is literally people saying, I, you know, I really, I really don't feel like this is a big deal. I really don't feel like, I mean, there's, there's provision for this in the Bible. I can do this. I can do that. Paul said, you know, there are things that are, 
possible for me, but they're not beneficial. It means that instead of what can I get away with, it's like, what's worth it? What, it's, it's, it's a life-giving, life-drawing source. Instead of just choosing to do the right thing because I'm scared I'm going to burn, I choose to do the right thing because I want to experience him. And when I experience him, I want to finish with this beginning thing. And Mel, I'll just have you come. We're going we're gonna to close with this. When I experience him, because, you know, I remember, you know, vaguely being a teenager, um, I remember my, my lists of we don't this and we do this and, you know, whatever. And I remember my friends saying to me, like, well, why, why is that so bad? Or, like, do you think if you do that, you're going to go to hell or something? Like, what, why? Like, it, like seriously, so you have a beer. Are you going to go to hell? I didn't really have a solid answer, and I'm, I'm not even addressing anything specific. I'm just saying for me, I didn't have an awareness of, I just want him more. What I wanted was, I wanted to be popular. I wanted my friends to like me. I wanted to not be a weirdo. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be the kind of person that people wanted to invite to parties. I wanted to be, I wanted to be loved. Why do any of us want the things that we think we want? We wanna feel good about ourselves, even if it's just for a couple hours when we're high. We wanna feel good about ourselves when we're with somebody we shouldn't be with. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel like we belong. We want to feel like our voice matters. So I'm going to say what I need to say and you're going to listen. I want you to hear me. He talks about envies. I, I want to have what you have because you look happy and I want to feel happy too. I want to be able to do what I want to do because I want freedom. I, I want I'm my own person. I want freedom. I don't want to have a list of stuff that I can't do. I want to do what I want to do. Aren't we really saying, I want everything that Jesus already offered me? I just want it in some weird form. Because Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Like it seems to me that every sinful draw that we face is towards a counterfeit of what he's already offered us. Isn't that something? So if we make our first pursuit him and we get to experience the kingdom here, the other stuff starts to just drift away. And I know some of us are feeling like we're super bound. Man, I've had this issue for decades. Do you know God can heal it in a minute? 
We've literally got people in this church right now who God has spontaneously, miraculously healed of alcohol addiction, drug addiction, cigarettes, lust, all manner of things. Why? Because they chose him. They just, you know, let him engage the situation. I'm going to have us stand together, if you would, this morning. And I want to pray over you. And I'm going to actually dismiss the service, but Mel's going to just play and worship for a little bit. I want to give time this morning. This is, a, this is kind of a between us and God sort of thing. If there's any wrong motivation, if there's any place where the enemy's been just whooping you, and you've been working so hard to get it right, and man, you just, it's like you just can't. I want to just invite you to spend some time with him. If you want to just, you've been doing pretty good, but you want to make sure you firmly enthrone him in your heart. You choose him first. I want to give you some time for that. If you've been dealing with the, man, I, like, I don't want to feel like I have to, but you've been feeling the Holy Spirit draw on your heart that there's some stuff that you need to adjust. Today's a really good day to surrender it and just say, God, I want you more. I want to experience the kingdom now. I want to experience your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. So Lord, today we just thank you for what it is you've unpacked for us in the scripture. God, I thank you that you are not a God who makes us do anything, but you invite us into that place that you've already paid for, that place of freedom the place of life, the place of wholeness, the place of perfect love. God, if we've been struggling to find those things, that that hope, that life, that love in in some other thing, and it's become habitual for us, it's become a a constant focus, or even something that we just slip into on repeat, God, that we're, we're just so ashamed of, I thank you today that your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank you today that even as the prodigal son came running back to the father, he came and experienced the fullness of being a son. And Lord, the the elder brother who was caught in that place of bondage of I have to, I have to, I have to. God, it models for us how we can do the stuff without having the right heart. And Lord, today I thank you that you're putting our heart in the right spot. I thank you, Lord, for a tangible sense of your presence. I thank you for a healthy pursuit. I thank you, Lord, that we can separate off the kingdom experience right here and now. And we also have heaven to look forward to, the perfection of your presence on the other side. But God, here and now, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you, Lord, for helping our pursuits be righteous. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us of your presence, God, when the temptations come, that we can picture you sitting right with us, God. And we care to not quench you. We care to not grieve you. We just want you most. And I pray healing over every heart today. Lord, everyone who's been abused by religion, anyone who has been beaten up by it, And Lord, today I just pray for that healing of the broken hearts. And I thank you for the invitation to the kingdom life, that it's good and it's full of you. 
And we just give you the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.